0: Well, My name is Scott Reevely and I am pleased to be here. I'm part of the pastoral team at New Life Church. And I just have, I just want to start by saying how much I appreciate Pastor Travis. I don't probably get to tell you that very much. I don't tell you that very much. But I am certainly thankful to get to work with him and to have him as part of the pastoral team as well. And I am certain that he has just done a great job in uh, bringing you week after week messages on the book of Romans. And we're almost to the end. See, that's kind of why I feel like I can say this, right? There's like one week to go. And I want to ask, though, to what end has He been bringing you message after message after message for the better part of two years on the book of Romans? What is supposed to happen? Because of that. I mean, you come, you hear stories about his kids, right? It's probably better, um, you know, better preaching you can get other places. So you come here and you go home and what's supposed to happen? How is it supposed to affect reality? The prospect that you've been here week after week. Or maybe let me ask the question another way. What is supposed to, what is supposed to happen in church? I mean, what is your idea of what's going on here right now? I mean, are you, <laughs> I mean, is this like my one hour, like, check off for God all week and then I'm, you know, here and gone and it's good? What is the idea of church? I mean, is it because you really love the music? Is it because Hey, I just want to see those people you know, let them know I haven't fallen off the face of the earth. I mean, what is what's the point? See, all those questions and more sort of boil down to the end here of the book of Romans. Because we're going to come to Romans sixteen, and Romans sixteen is a list. I get to preach to you a list today, which is great. It's a list, and, you know, how, but the question is, how is that different? How is it different to be preaching from the Word of God week after week as opposed to preaching off the front page of the Oregonian? What is supposed to happen? Well, I would contend that Romans 16 gives us a snapshot of what is supposed to happen. You get a picture in Romans 16 of what it, the gospel is supposed to do in the lives of people, individually and in community. That the book of Romans has not been a throwaway parchment, but rather he wrote it on purpose so that as he, as he told us the desperate need that we have for God, The lavish grace that God has given to us in the person of Christ. The certainty that if you believe in Him, that there will be no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. All of that is supposed to do something for you and for me. It's not just supposed to be something I go, oh, I got that. I understand. It's not a matter so much of understanding as it is a matter that this changes the way that I live. The Gospel produces a kind of life that is exposed here in Romans chapter 16. And so I'd love for you to take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 16 and we'll look at this list of people that he talks about. And you'll see as we look at the list that it does sort of uh, uncover this lifestyle of people. The fact that this is a diverse group of faith-filled individuals who love one another and who serve God together. So let's look at Romans chapter 16. I'll begin reading verse 1. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Centria, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints, and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many, and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risk their necks for my life to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Epineatus, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles. And they were in Christ before me. You guys are all just listening to see if I can pronounce these names, aren't you? I, I, knew, I knew that was happening. <laughs> Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ. And my beloved stachus Greet Apellus, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsmen... Herodian, greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord. Also, his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Asyncritus, Plagion, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas. And the brothers who are with them, great philologists, Julia, Narius, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them, greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. So there you have a list of 26 individuals that uh, Paul is greeting. At the, at the end of this letter, uh, I imagine that he you know he is away from Rome right now. He's not been to the church in Rome, but he's away from them, and he's recalling these individuals uh, from memory because of the impact. They have had on his life and the life of the church. I, I was sitting there in the back and I was looking at this wall of uh, global outreach partners over there and, and thinking that that's really kind of how Paul was doing. That he was he didn't have a picture to help him, but in some respect he had a picture in his mind of of saints that were off away from him, working hard in the Lord, and he was going to greet them. Well, it starts off. I'm, I'm going to. I kind of take this in three parts. The first is Phoebe, who's the uh, the first one mentioned. Then um, uh, Priscilla and Aquila. And then the rest of the list. And uh, I want you to see the fruit of this Gospel that Paul believes and has been preaching and how it makes a difference in the life of this community. So first he says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe a servant of the church in Centria, You may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her however she may need. For she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. So it appears that Phoebe is not from Rome. She is not part of this church. She's the only one mentioned really in this part of the book that is not part of the church in Rome. Most people think that she was the male person for the letter. She is the one that carried Paul's letter from Corinth or Centuria, where he wrote it, to Rome. And there are a few things that we know about her that, are, that are, I think are quite interesting. He calls her our sister. They've never met her before. So this gives you a little bit of a flavor of what he thinks the Gospel should do for Christians. She is, because of her faith in Christ, though you've never met her, she is your sister. That's the first thing you need to see about Phoebe. Is that there is this worldwide embrace, this family of God, worldwide created by faith in Christ. She belongs to a church in Centuria. In fact, she is a servant. Uh, the literal translation which is deacon. And she is uh, an active servant at the church in Centria. Now, I want to point out, because I said this is what the Gospel should do, right? The Gospel turned Phoebe into a servant. But that's not natural. Notice what else we're told about her at the very end. It says, she has been a patron. Do you know what a patron is? A patron is somebody who pulls out their wallet and pays for things. Who helps you financially. So she has financially helped Paul and others. She's a wealthy person. It's likely the church met in the big home that she had perhaps in Centuria. And I want you to notice, though, what the gospel does. The gospel takes this wealthy person, Phoebe, and turns her into a servant. No one but Jesus can do that. That is completely countercultural. She lived a life of privilege until she met Jesus. And that just as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many, Phoebe followed him in that and became a servant. And so here she, who knows why she's going to Rome? Some people speculate that, uh, <laughs> that the business that she ran perhaps was getting sued. And so she had a legal activity that she had to execute in Rome. Who knows? But nonetheless, she is uh, a woman traveling from major cities, uh, from a major city to a major city. Maybe by herself, maybe in some other company. But she was the one who held this letter that you have on your lap for the very first time. She's the one who carried it to them. And so he says, you know, she's gonna she's gonna need a place to stay. She's gonna need somebody to put her up, some food. She's not used to having those needs because she's wealthy. So, in a way, worthy of the saints, would you welcome her? Receive her? And so, that's the first introduction. Is an introduction of Phoebe, the person who's bringing the mail to them. And I love the fact that he points out that there is a new standard for hospitality. There's a way that other folks do it, and then there's a way that's worthy of the saints. There's a way the rest of the world has people in their home, and there's a way that's worthy of the saints. And so he says, You do it that way. You know, I want you to upgrade the way that you treat her. To the best possible way worthy of the saints, and so he introduces her as the letter carrier, and uh, that's the start. And it's interesting that that she is mentioned first. Then, second, the second mention is Priscilla and Aquila. So the first two people mentioned in this letter are both women, which is of significance. I'll talk about that in a moment. But he says, greet Prisca and Aquila. Prisca is the, the, the shorter name. Priscilla is the more affectionate name for the same person. These people show up other places in the New Testament. Paul says, they are fellow workers in Christ Jesus who risk their necks for my life. I love that. That phrase literally laid down their necks for my life. He's thankful the church of the Gentiles are thankful. You think about what the Gospel is supposed to do in someone's life. I want you to consider this couple. This, this, this is a husband and wife. They own, a, they own a small business together. That's what it tells us in Acts chapter 18. He found uh, a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. So this is, uh, I don't know, this is maybe uh, eight years or so. well, six to eight years earlier than the letter is being written. Uh, this uh, description in Acts. And there, Claudius kicked all the Jews out. Priscilla and Aquila had to leave. They ended up uh, with Paul. And he says that uh, he went to see them because he was of the same trade and he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. So they had a, they had a little business making pop-up campies for, that people would use for their barbecues, you know. And uh, He joined them in that. And they became fast friends from working together. And he stayed together with them. Then when it came time for him to leave, uh, he set sail. He took leave of the brothers, set sail for Syria, And with him took Priscilla and Aquila. So here are these tent makers, now just small business people, who are setting sail as missionaries to Syria. Apparently it's a short-term mission because they end up in Rome later. But I want you to see the vision for what God does in the life of a family when they believe the Gospel. There isn't. There isn't a professional mentioned here. There isn't a pastor. There isn't somebody who is even paid for their service to the church. Everybody is on equal footing here. Priscilla and Aquila are in the church at Rome, they're small business owners, and they are influential in changing the Roman Empire because of their faithfulness to Jesus. One of the ways that I know that is that they went to hear a a, a famous Christian speaker named Apollos who who began to speak boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, uh, they were somewhat alarmed. That's my addition to the text here. And they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. It's like, stop! Just a minute. There's a couple things you need to know. You're really good. But you're not saying it like it needs to be said. And so, this husband and wife took him aside. Maybe took him out for coffee. Maybe had him over. And they um, taught him the Gospel more clearly. I mean, how much, how much does the Church of Jesus Christ need Priscillas and Aquilas, who are just faithful husbands and wives, faithful business owners, faithful people just doing their thing, who are making a difference for Jesus Christ, one person at a time with Apollos, churches at a time here in Corinth? There is a church that meets in their house. We're going to see that that's a little bit of a trend. You might say they're life group leaders. Uh, you might say they—I mean—they don't have a building like this. They—they they could be the hosts or the the leaders of a multi-site church in Corinth. How about that? But that's what they're doing. It is the the church of Jesus Christ who meets in their home, and what are they doing? They're not doing anything but showing up for Jesus day in and day out. Priscilla and Aquila. May God God bless us with many like them. May God give you a vision for your life like Priscilla and Aquila, affected by the Gospel. I mean, mean, think of it. We've seen three people, right? Here Here is wealthy Phoebe transformed into a servant of Jesus Christ, a servant of the church, so that all that she has is at the disposal of Jesus. Here you have small business owners who are are just showing up day after day making canopies. And they're making a difference in Corinth and in Syria and in Rome and through their personal impact in Apollos who's preaching on all sorts of places. And now they're back in... um, Now they're back in Rome, and Paul sends them greetings first. He's on a personal level grateful that they've laid down their necks for him. On a worldwide level, all the churches of the Gentiles are thankful for Priscilla and Aquila. So I want to introduce you to these first people because they appear to have, you know, they get first billing, first notice because of the way the gospels transform them, but they're not alone. They're not doing it by themselves. They're not the ones that everyone else watches and say, "Oh, Priscilla and Aquila having a good day today," or Phoebe really is on her game today. There are there are um, there are twenty four other people in Rome in the Roman Church who get mentioned in this text. And what I what I hope to do is I. I'm going to take several passes through here because I want you to see what we have in this eclectic mix of people. This diverse church. What the Gospel of Jesus is doing is making a church that is diverse. We've already struggled with this in the book of Romans. Basically, there have been two major factions There are Jews and Gentiles. Romans nine through eleven gives the the theological reasons that they need to get along. Paul says, We will have no more of this division. And here are all of the gospel reasons. But that's not the only divide. If you if you look at this list, and I'm not gonna do this, there are some people say the whole list are Jewish Christians. Others say there's there's really only three that we can nail down as fully Jewish because they are kinsmen or family members of Paul. Which, there's no other explanation for that than that they're Jews. So this divide is present even in this list. The, the Jew-Gentile division in the church is being addressed. Some suggest that even in this list, all of these people... Are uh, people that need to be greeted, that need to be welcomed. In other words, they're not the stronger people. They're not the people with the power. They're the the Jews that came back after the Exodus, uh, after they were kicked out by Claudius, like Priscilla and Aquila did, and so they don't have what they used to have, and they need other people. To greet them. Now, when you're thinking about greeting, greeting is probably the most important word in this section because it comes over and over and over. And they're not, it's not like, you know, hey, how are you? Good to see you this morning. I don't think that's the kind of greeting that he has in mind. The hi. I mean, what's, what's that? Here's a command, and it's, it's in there you know, a dozen times. Say hi to one another. Even even the most even the most uh, you know personal practical translations of your Bible don't say say hi to one another. Somehow everyone knows it's more than that. The the, the idea behind this is to embrace one another, embrace these people for me. Let them know they belong here. That's really what he's trying to say. When you see this list, I want you to tell, you know, remind all of them that, that they have a place here. So this is a little bit, uh, I'm just I'm gonna tip my hand too much here probably. But I have, um, I have a couple son-in-laws. Okay, the, the fact they're son-in-laws means they haven't always belonged to my family. My daughters have. Okay, my daughters come and, you know, see them and give them a big hug, right? There was a time when these young men were intruders. (laughs) They were, they were coming after what was mine and it was like a, hi, how are you, right? But after time, after time, they proved themselves that they loved my daughters and they asked for their hands in marriage and they got married. And when they come to our home, they're embraced. They're part of the family. They belong now. That's the message here. Over and over and over, tell them that they belong. Tell them they have a place. Bring them all the way to the inside. That's what we're doing when we're talking about greeting them. So, I'm just going to make several passes. This one's too fast to really... Uh, uh, I want to make this pass faster than I could if I read all the verses. But here are the women who were listed. Phoebe, Priscilla, Mary, Junia, Tryphana, Tryphosa, Persis, the mother of Rufus, Julia, the sister of Nereus. Okay, just like the gathering we have today, the church is full of women. It is full of women who are giving it up for Jesus. If you look, if you look carefully here, and uh, well, we'll see it. We'll see it in a moment. Whenever Paul says, "Well, you see it first with Mary. Greet Mary, who works hard." And any time he says somebody works hard, she's a woman. They have been giving it up for Jesus and for the church. You see, and this, this isn't fundamentally about you know, what is a woman's role, what is a man's role, what should a woman do, what should a man do. It's none of that. This is, I want you to make sure that these women who are giving it up for Jesus, who are laying their lives down, who are working hard, feel like they belong. Welcome them into the church. There are all sorts of people in this church who are affected by the gospel and who love and serve Jesus. One of the things that uh, you need to know about this list, and again, I just can't go all the way through this list as many times as I'd like, but there are probably only four people in this list who were born in Rome. Which means that this is a church of immigrants. Immigrants. This is a church of displaced persons. This is a church of people who are seeking asylum, perhaps. Some of them. Of the people who are in this church, two-thirds of them are either slaves or freed slaves. Think about that. Look around the room. How would it affect what happens in church if two-thirds of the people were slaves here? I don't know how it would affect it, but I imagine, imagine it would change things a little bit. This is a diverse group of people. They're diverse ethnically. They're diverse with gender. They're diverse with uh, econ- economically. And what does the Gospel do for them? The gospel turns them into a group of people who love one another and serve each other. I will slow down and make a pass here, okay? Through here. Greet my beloved Epinatus. Adronicus and Junior, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. You don't get to be a a fellow prisoner with Paul for doing nothing for Jesus. You get thrown in prison with Paul because the Gospel has so gripped you that you can't not share it. But these people, Eponidas first, are beloved. They're dear friends. There's just... It's it's really the Christian word for love, agape here. He is my beloved, the one that I love like Jesus loves me. Greek Implietus, my beloved, and my beloved Stachus. These are my close, close friends because of Jesus. Greet the Beloved Persis. you You get the picture here that this is not a group of people who are acquainted because they happen to meet in the same place on Sunday mornings. But you get the impression that the people He's sending these greetings to are people who have made a deep impact on His soul. And so as I'm looking out over this group and I'm thinking about what is it that I want the Gospel to do in the lives of New Life Church, Wilsonville, I want there to be a group of people who make such a deep impression on one another's souls for the sake of Jesus that they consider themselves to be beloved of one another. Not not merely a group of people who meet because of convenience, or because it's the best preaching around, or because they like the music, or because of anything else but the fact that Jesus has made an impression on their souls through the lives of other people. And so the church is this this beloved community, this community of friends, but it's even deeper than that. He highlights His kinsmen. He, his, his relatives. But then, he goes beyond that. He, he tells us that Phoebe is our sister. He calls some of them brothers. We see that actually, see that next week, verse 17. And then he's talking here about Rufus and his mother. Rufus' mother has been a mother to me as well. I hope you had people like that in your life. I mean, Barb Stevens was like that for me. I mean, I probably had as many cookies. Let me say it this way. I didn't get in trouble when I had cookies at Barb Stevens' house. (laughs) But I did at home. (laughs) And uh, her son John played baseball with me and we were next door neighbors and fast friends. And I might say, if I was writing this letter, greet John and his mother who has been a mother to me as well. But you see, that is the way the church embraces each other. There are brothers and sisters. There are mothers and fathers. Not by blood, but by love. Made that way because they are loved by Christ. Well, I hope, you, I hope that's clear enough in our pass through. There's one little detail that I think is super interesting that I'm just going to point out. It has nothing to do with the sermon. But we were talking about Rufus and his mother. Rufus' father is also mentioned in the Scripture in Mark 15. As Mark is recording the walk of Jesus to the cross, Simon of Cyrene, whom you have heard about and will hear about when it comes time for us to rehearse the cross and the resurrection in a couple of weeks. You think he's the most famous person. He's not. Rufus is the most famous person. And the only way we can orient you to who Simon of Cyrene was, was to tell you that he is the father of Alexander and Rufus. That he's the father of this famous person, Rufus, who happens to be residing in Rome right now and is part of the church. So I just think that that's interesting that the gospel goes way back. This is way back to the beginning. And it affects the way that they love one another and the way that they treat one another as family. And so let me, let me make one more pass through here because I want you to see The other effect that it has is it makes people unselfish with their time and their energy and their money. It frees people from the identity that the things that they have in this world and the other things that they might do in this world give them their identity. Their identity is in Christ and in serving Him. And here's Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers. Greet Mary who worked hard for you. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker. Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. You see, the people who make an impact, the people who have who touch other people's lives, are people who invest their time and their energy. I mean Paul is Paul is reaching out, asking that these people who worked hard might be included and embraced. Their service to Christ in the church made a difference in the life of Paul, made a difference in the life of church, and ultimately made a difference in the life of the Roman Empire. So there's one other thing I want you to know, so one more pass through, and then uh, I I promise you won't keep going at this all day. I want you to notice now he is greeting Priscilla and Aquila in Rome. And what is it, what does he want to do? He wants to greet the church in their house. The church at Rome, I'm very confident, was a multi-site church. The church very much like New Life Church, except that it met in houses. And you see that over and over and over. Some have said there's as many as seven, maybe eight churches represented in this letter. Okay, I'm not that confident I can find all seven, but I can find a few, and I'll show them to you. He says greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Now, this is a this is a curious thing. He doesn't greet Aristobulus. He greets and he doesn't really greet the family. So that's a, that's a uh, ESV assumption. Greet those of Aristobulus is a literal translation. Greet those of Aristobulus. Now is he greeting those who are part of the church that meets in his home? Are they greeting the family members and the servants of Aristobulus? Maybe. Why doesn't they greet Aristobulus? Some people think Aristobulus died. Okay, that's sad. <laughs> Some people think Aristobulus wasn't yet a believer in Jesus. And so, there are people who are believers in his family that get greetings from Paul but, not Aristobulus. I suppose that's sad too. Then they got the same thing with Narcissus. Greet those in the Lord who are of Narcissus. is the literal translation. And so, whether they're in his, his household servants and family, whether they are a church that meets in his home, same really same exact thing, although there must be some there who are not believers because He wants to greet those who uh, are in the Lord who belong to the family. Okay. And here, it's more clear. Your church leaders, the Syncretus, Phlegion, Hermes, Patrobus, and Hermas, and the brothers who meet in their home, the brothers who are with them. Of course, then there's leaders in this other church. Philologist Julius Nereus, his sister Olympus. And the saints who are with them. You see, that's the way the church organized. And whether you call it a multi-state church, whether you say they met in life groups, there are reasons that we try and organize the way we do at New Life Church. The church of Rome was dispersed more than it was together. And yet, all of them considered to be the saints in Rome, the church of Rome. And so... I just want to encourage you, Okay, what is the Gospel accomplishing here? The Gospel is accomplishing a diverse group of people who love one another, who lay down their life for one another and for the church so that they form small communities of faith and when they have these small communities, they share the life of Jesus together in a way that impacts one another so their souls are knit together in love. In case, in case you get the idea That what Paul is trying to do here, because that's the question, right? What is the Gospel doing in the church in Rome? What is the Apostle Paul trying to do in the church in Rome? What is Pastor Travis trying to do at the church in Wilsonville? Okay, What are we trying to do here? We are not trying to build a club that meets once a week. If this were a club that meets once a week, We'd never know about them. We'd never be here. Because the church would not have endured. What he's doing is he's building this diverse collection of people committed to Jesus Christ, committed in love to one another so much so that they lay down their lives for one another. And the result is the transformation of the Roman empire i don't want this to i don't want this to be lost on you this is a letter to the church at rome there are 26 people listed okay i'm assuming there are more okay let's say there are 10 times more there are 260 people who followed jesus in rome in the year 56 ad in about 350 years the Roman Empire capitulates to Christianity. We're done with emperor worship. We're done with idols. The Roman Empire is now Christian. That's now, not perfect. And I don't know that I even advocate that it had a capitulated to Christianity if I was the one that made the rules. But, what I do want to say is that the church of Jesus Christ had so much influence over the course of just a few generations, that the entire Roman Empire said, we better be Christian. To me, that's unbelievable. Just on a world history stage, it's just unbelievable that this collection of people that loved one another and laid their lives down for Jesus Could have that kind of influence in the Roman Empire. And I would suggest to you that as the gospel, the gospel that's been, that we've read about in the book of Romans, right? As that takes root in your life, as it takes root in the lives of all of us, and we begin to love one another as God has loved us, And our souls are impacted by Jesus. And we decide that our life is not our own. Our time isn't our own. Our money isn't our own. Our energy is not our own. We're for Jesus. Who knows? Who knows what God will do in Clackamas County and beyond because of that? And so I think it's really only fitting as you, as you think about this church and you think about the, the way that the Gospel shaped their love for one another. It's only fitting that we do the same thing here. Okay? And by that I mean we ought to celebrate communion. The communion of the Lord. The fact that Jesus Christ has died, was buried, and rose again. And that that historical event makes a difference in my life today, in your life today, in the way that our lives interact with one another today. So that we have a communion that the world can't share that other people know nothing about. Because it stems from lives that are connected individually and corporately to Jesus. And it's that connection, I think, that is the reason we call it communion. And so if your life has been impacted by Jesus and you've surrendered your life to Him, I want to just invite you to... um, Participate with us, and you know if you're here and, and exploring Christianity, we're glad you're here and want and want you to do just that. And so this this part of our service is for uh, those who can look back and say, "I have trusted Christ," and so feel free to pass on this, and um, no one will look down on you, and that'll be certainly fine. Um, but we're going to remember Jesus. And think about the impact He's had on our soul. And in impacting our soul, how He's impacted our soul through other people and our communion with them. And so, um, during the next song, if you want to get out of your seat, there's a table in the front and a table in the back. And uh, you can get the elements. Return to your seat. And we'll all um, partake together in just a moment. So, let me pray for us. Okay, God and Father, we are humbled by the fact that we need Jesus. We're not able to secure our own um, forgiveness. We're not able to secure our own freedom from sin. We're not able to produce in our own lives the virtue and the goodness that we want apart from the work of your Holy Spirit. And so we depend completely on you. We need, first of all, to commune with you. But Father, You have made this world such that none of us are meant to be by ourselves. We're meant to belong to the family of God, to have communion with one another. And so I pray that You would help us to see that. Father, as we, as we take this in a few moments, let us not merely close our eyes and say thank You for giving us Jesus. But Father, enable us to look around and say thank You for the other people in this room who have made a difference in my life. And so Father, I pray that You would bless us now as we remember Jesus and as we enjoy our communion with Him and one another. In His name we pray, Amen.